Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Second, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So here we are on Wisdom. Much aloha. Let me turn my radio off. It's acting up. Much aloha for you and to you for tuning in. My name's Kamahana. I'm Kia Aloha. And I live on the island of Oahu in the district of Waianae in Hawaii. I'm a musician, an anthropologist, a Hawaiian language speaker. And um, just your average Hawaiian. I wonder if anybody's listening to this anyway. Um, wisdom so far has been interesting. This is my first um, go at it. And um, I wanted to see what happens. Um, I've been playing... Uh, uh, Hawaiian, uh, traditional Hawaiian music show on Clubhouse, and you can find it at the Kani Kapila Club, Kani, K-A-N-I, K-A-K-P-I-L-A, P-I-L-A, Club, and um, what we do is we listen to uh, um, real traditional Hawaiian music from um, the golden era of Hawaiian music, spanning, I would say, from 1920 to um, right about 1990s or so. Um, this is the golden age of Hawaiian music because this is um, the time that this is the time that um, you see uh, the threads of connection that make the Hawaiian music Hawaiian. The uh, rhythm styles, the poetry used in the lyrics, and uh, instruments used: upright bass, ukulele. Acoustic guitar is always a staple of this traditional Hawaiian music I'm talking about. Um, and that's a, in stark contrast to contemporary Hawaiian music. Um, you might know Israel Kamaka Viva Ole and his Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You might know CNK, Cecilio and Kapono. Um, you might know Ka'au Creator Boys, Kiahivai. Hawaiian style band; those are all contemporary Hawaiian music um, musicians. The traditional tome of um, Hawaiian music includes people like um, Genoa Keave, Lina Machado, Linda Dela Cruz, Kimo Alama Keaulana, um, Daryl Lupinue played a traditional style that was 
kind of borderline contemporary, but definitely traditional. Um, we see the use of the rhythms, um, the type of rhythms they use for strumming and the bass, very specific. Um, the bass is not a busy bass. It's not an electric bass. It's an upright bass. And it usually um, holds a steady rhythm, rhythm like two, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And, and you'll hear the pluck on the two and the four. Um, the subject matter in Hawaiian, traditional Hawaiian music is very different than contemporary Hawaiian music. Um, first of all, traditional Hawaiian music is meant for the hula. And in the hula, you have a kaholo, or in the ancient hula, you have a kiipa. That means the space between the pauku or the verses. So you have a vamp in mom, traditional Hawaiian music, where the hula dancer would do the classic motion of uh, hula to the right with their hands pointed to the right, then hula to the left with their hands pointed to the left, and they would move where their hands pointed. And this uh, break between the verses is called a kaholo. And it's pretty much the same um, amount of time as the verse that is in, in, the, in the meter, so that um, the hula dancer can reset herself. And I'm saying that if it's not um, the intent of the mele or song is not for the hula, then it's not part of um, um, this traditional tome of Hawaiian music that I'm talking about. So it must be for the hula dancer. And the hula dancer must have a kaholo. So every verse must have a space in between um, for, for that. Um, at least in my um, running definition of traditional Hawaiian music. Um, what else? The subject matter in the melee. It's like a haiku. A haiku is a certain amount of syllables in every line. Once you change that, it's no longer a haiku, no matter how badly you want it to be. Um, and I think in these times in Hawaii, where Hawaiians are trying to revive their culture, that it's important we look at what is the common threads, which ones are distinctly of the generations in modern, which ones come from the generations before and are maintained as customs. Things always change, but there's a, there's a certain way things change naturally. And there's a certain way things change unnaturally. Now, when um, the Hawaiian language was stamped out of, almost stamped out of existence because of policies in uh, the government in Hawaii um, made against the Hawaiian language in the, in, in the departments of education, they, they um, forbid the Hawaiian language to be spoken at schools. Um, that's one of those unnatural ways that culture changes. Um, so there's a disconnect of understanding and there's a there's an amnesia of, of a whole people to, to their own connection, culture and language. Now when you take the language away and, and you don't you're not going to understand the music and I, I think it's very important to, to bring back our um, culture of Hawaiian music and create that space that might be ever encroached upon otherwise and um, I think if you have something special that you love and you believe in that you should go out there in the world and make a space for it small space big space small efforts big efforts 
just a space where, where you can say, this is where I'm going to keep that. And for um, the traditional Hawaiian music room on Clubhouse, that's what that is, yeah. It's a, it's a real niche um, kind of interest, um, but real musicians, um, if, you, if you fancy yourself a real musician, this is you I'm talking about. Real musicians seem to appreciate the um, aesthetics that I'm looking at in traditional Hawaiian music. Um, for example, I said the basis of any traditional Hawaiian music band is the upright bass, not the electric, the acoustic guitar, and the ukulele. <clears throat> Aside from those three instruments, the traditional accompaniments, instruments that accompanied those, those three, were the steel guitar, you hear that in country music, um, the vibes, um, I guess vibes is short for vibraphone, I don't even know the proper name for that instrument, but I believe it is the vibraphone. And uh, the third one being the piano. Now, if you had all six of the instruments and you had a big band going, um, I think uh, um, traditional Hawaiian music aesthetics are getting lost or are not even known today. So that when people speak Hawaiian, um, they think they can just um, compose a song with Hawaiian words and call it Hawaiian. Um, but I think it's much more than that for any culture that um, just just um, something being in the language doesn't make it an authentic um, thing. Um, a lot of times we hear Hawaiian um, words um, and so-called Hawaiian songs, but it's really uh, more similar to an American um, ballad, pop ballad, and um, or reggae, for example, rather than like what makes Hawaiian music Hawaiian? Yeah. Um, I think if we look at the history, it's not the words because we have a huge repository of hapahaole music, which is wholly or partly in English. It's what hapahaole means, part English or whole English. And so the words itself don't, don't make it what it is. Um, but the combination of the traditional rhythms, the traditional instruments, um, the traditional subject matter of the poetry of the lyrics um, combined, it will show a picture that is that, that spans the um, time period I'm talking about, 1920 to 1988. Um, we feature Genoa Keave on our um, clubhouse traditional Hawaiian music room. She incidentally, not incidentally, importantly, um, is the most recorded Hawaiian um, to ever live of all time. She has recordings on 78 RPMs, 45 RPMs, 33 and one third RPMs, um, 8-track, tape, CD, and on digital uh, MP3 style media. So she, that's quite an accomplishment. The only thing she didn't record on is wax cylinder. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody out there is familiar with the music industry or has any questions, but please, you know, step up. Um, I'd love to talk a story about um, the Hawaiian music we play on Clubhouse. Um, you can always join us on Clubhouse uh, as well um, by joining the Kani Kapila Room.
Oh, it looks like we have a visitor. This is my first time here, so uh, bear with me. Uh, let's see. Marianne Webster, how do you do? Um, this big aloha to you and welcome to Wisdom. Um, how do you do? Aloha. Aloha, Kamakani. Mahalo for having me to the stage. I really appreciate it. I am a member of the Hawaiian Spirituality Club on Clubhouse and also of your club. And I have listened to many, many beautiful, beautiful meles through yourself and, and other Hawaiians on Clubhouse. Oh, that's I, great. Um, I am a, a mutt. I'm not Hawaiian. <laughs> but well, I'm a mutt too. Out. I'm mixed up. I'm part of Hawaii and other- Portuguese. Yeah, there you go. I have just about every other blood in my veins. I think I don't think I have any actual Asian blood, but I got my DNA sequenced. I'm adopted at birth, and I was like, whoa, I'm a mutt. Cool. <laughs> I, I like to tell everybody <laughs> that we're all Asian, and we just don't know it yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I want to get Kumu Lawrence Aki over here. You, you know, I, I, I'm curious about your guys' group. I'm very, you know, as a, as a Hawaiian, I'm weary of those kinds of groups, but I'm, I, 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 I do plan to be open-minded and kind of want to learn what you guys are talking about. I've had, I've had bad experiences before, but it shouldn't reflect on other, on other groups. But, so but I'm a little I, weary. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I, can I give you a, a bio, a micro picture of, of what's going I would on? Love, I would love that. So, so everyone who's listening, first of all, I want you to go follow Kamahana. Um, and here and go on Clubhouse if you're not on Clubhouse yet. And say the name of your room again, Kamahana. Um, the name of the club is Kani Kapila Club. And, and we'll, Thank we'll pop up from there. Kani Kapila. Club. K- the club. K-A-N-I. Kapila. K-A-P-A-L-I. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and sol- solid, kind programming from good-hearted folk. And the the thing that I, I've focus on is I was brought up by uh, uh, basically a Haole man who was trained in the ways of Redbud Sioux shamanism. And that that's a convoluted story, but he just happened to be a, the son of somebody who got to go on the reservation in the 30s, 1930s, and, and got all of this learning. And he passed it on the elders were like, please pass it on to anybody you can because our ways are dying. And the so, shamans. Yes. The, and so he passed it to us. His name was Corliss Raymond DeLarm Jr. This is from Columbia, Missouri, where I'm speaking to you from. Nobody knows about him. He's not famous. But he taught all of us the ways of how to live in harmony with your surroundings, with nature and, and with people, how to keep Pono and how to make sure that you are... I'm- um, Go ahead. Oh, I, I'm I'm liking your energy, and I'm I'm, I'm hearing you, and I'm uh, understanding those concepts because that, that's the that's the Hawaiian style. Exactly, which is what it, exactly what attracted me. So he died. Um, his name he was known as D, and he D died in 2004, and I was without a teacher for all that time until wow. I heard Kumu Lawrence, and it was like. <gasps> Oh my gosh! It was literally like hearing the, the voice of my teacher again. Wow. So I started following that club. I didn't know anything about it. I I knew a bunch of white New Age females were saying Ho'oponopono, woohoo! You know, let's do all this thing, and uh-huh. it didn't ring to me. I mean, it was you know the little poem that they say and everything. It's a great practice, and I think it's it's wonderful to send love and understanding out to other people. And if it has yes. a good effect, then do it. And that's what Kumu Lawrence also says. But that is not what Ho'oponopono is. 
Ho'oponopono is a worldview and it is a way of aligning with all your relations, with removing the pohakus, the stones that, that we carry in our heart that are the grudges and the I should have said that, I should have done that, and you know, all oh, those people have more than me, and you know, those bitternesses that oh, the pain we carry, yeah. It, and and it takes a it takes a Luna Ho'oponopono to help you work those out. And that's what Kumu Lawrence is. He's not misrepresenting. I mean, I am not Hawaiian, so I can't say, but I'm going to defend him. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have what's anything real. bad to say about him. I, I don't know anything about him enough, but I've had bad experiences with other groups before. But I, not that it's anybody else's fault. That, 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 that's why I'm kind of, I haven't gone there yet. And I feel bad because I, I, I think totally like I should. Yeah. No, uh, no, I mean, seriously. And he would, he would understand that because that's why he said, uh, also, there's one of his students, Kumu Kavika, uh, Foster, who is also t- doing these live teachings, and there I'm in Midwest America time, so my time they tend to be midnight. <laughs> Hawaii time is I think seven o'clock, seven yes. p.m. So I haven't. I, I I'm a sleep coach. Uh, sleep is is sacred to me, so I can't always attend. But I did take one week. Sleep is off. sacred. I agree. Totally. But t- I took one week off to attend all the Ho'oponopono trainings. It's like a, it was a deep dive into how actual Native Hawaiians practice the Ho'oponopono and where it comes from and what as non-Hawaiians we can do to bring similar practices into our life. So that's what that club is all about. I like your words and, and how you explained that. Yeah. that. That sounds very, very nice. And, 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 and pono, I guess. That, that does sound like well, the right thing. And that's exactly um, what Kuma Lawrence says about bringing those teachings out. He said, we're not here to make money. We're here because people need this. Thank you for sharing that with me, your yeah. experience. I understand that. Um, my... my um, my aunt was a was a ho'oponopono practitioner. She taught a lot of people ho'oponopono, and mm. um, the kind of ho- the kind of ho'oponopono that we use on a daily basis for between people, mm-hmm. um, in particular, um, how to uh, mend rifts and 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 grow out of yourself to understand the differences of another person and get along. You know, that's the ho'oponopono I know. And but but the, the ho'oponopono you're talking about is also. I've heard of it too. So it's a well, it's a comp. I'm just talking about one end that I personally experienced because uh-huh. I've, I experienced Kumu Lawrence as a Luna, as a as a guide to to my my personal you know eradication of pohakus. Oh, so he's doing ho'oponopono. That's what he's doing. Then that's how I would describe it. He's doing ho'oponopono. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, but Look, that's off of Clubhouse, and that is by private appointment. So that's he's not doing yeah. that. He's just kind of introducing people to okay. You guys have learned that Ho'oponopono is this thing and you say this these three lines and it's all about meditation. It's not. It's about how we relate in the real world. And it's a real sane and rational system for relating to all the people and the planet and the animals. As well, it, sounds, it sounds like what I'm trying to do. I mean, like, you know, trying to, trying to make sure life is all in place and everything where it belongs and everything's in balance and, and, and not, nothing is in place. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. No, I just said absolutely, my brother. That's the, that's the, the that's the thing. That's it's a, it's either a lifestyle or you're not doing it. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, so back in the day when I was young, I mean, well, what, what that means in the eighties and seventies, my my auntie guys would, would 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 there is a Luna that 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 presides over the whole Ponopono process, 
And, um, and so that rings true to me too. And, um, they, they help guide the whole process of whatever kind of we call ha ka ka. You might know that term, um, or, or, or Mm -hmm. trouble in your life or confrontation. Mm -hmm. Ha ka ka is trouble like that. Um, and whatever hakaka is happening, it's usually because of hakaka that that a ho'oponopono is called. Right. Uh, my gran- my grandpa uh, also practiced ho'oponopono with the family, and it was like um, it was it was a little different than Auntie Malia's one. Um, um, it was much more forceful, and and um, like if you didn't show up, then you weren't part of the family. So there was a there was a little. Uh, there's a punishment to it too that if you're not going to show up to balance the family then don't 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 come at all <laughs> that was the way that's kind of fair you know uh, but you know yeah. hey, this is if you support support you support us or we don't support you and and that's you know in a in a tribal culture that makes a whole ton of sense in yeah because we got to survive the big diverse culture that we've got going on right now people are without those ties anymore and again that's a reason i think that you guys you know even yourself uh, you know bring that wisdom here bring it to clubhouse bring it wherever you can and put it out there people need this so well i'm inspired by you i mean i'm I'm getting wisdom from you so thank you for for moving with your spirit and 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 you know professing well when i saw you i was like oh my god Come on, <laughs> well, it's hard to try it out. I, I'm, I'm kind of putting my t- toes in the water. I'm not really used to. I mean, I really like the connection, like talking to a person and and really talking to a person. That's what we're getting out of this. And I'm like, so and I, I want to challenge. Wait a minute. I want to challenge your audience because this is my brother's first time up here. Okay, this is my brother's first talk. Now yes. we have, we are all family, right? It doesn't matter where your bloodline comes from. We are all family. True. And, and the 31 people that I can see that are on this app right now listening to us, I want to challenge the next one of you to take your courage in your hands, press that button, ring that bell, and come up to the stage. Because my brother needs to hear you, and so do I. And I love you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Oh, thank you for your time. I mean, you're welcome to speak more, actually, if you'd like. Um, just just let me know. Um, I appreciate your your aloha. And 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 I'm very impressed um, by your kumu because that's a reflection on him. So I have a really, I mean, I'm not the decider of everything, but we're we're the deciders of our own personal space and spirituality. And and I like to guard minds a little more than I should. Um, you know, I was one of the first three people to, and I'm not against science and I'm not against telescopes. I'm against the um, desecration and a degradation of environmental, um, in, in, environmentally endangered, um, no, envir- um, endangered species environments. Um, and what I'm talking about is being one of the first three people to sit on, block the, the road um, for the construction of the 30 meter telescope. And um, that was such a spiritual awakening for, for those of us who, who are privileged to be there and participate um, to, to stop um, the construction of a monstrosity in a sacred burial ground, in a endangered species environment, in a um, protected area that, that shouldn't have um, uh, something polluting the sacred summit and our watershed. And, and because they're in um, deep um, violation, the University of Hawaii has yes, stewards of 
that that land and as a master masters of the, the telescope park that they built instead of um, instead of maintaining the watershed and and, and endangered species environments um, they've industrialized it and for Kanaka and I think for all human beings our the ability for us to have to live to have water to have oxygen to have clean food to eat it, that's sacred to us because without that we we die and um just to touch on spirituality like um so i i went to the mountain and I, and my my spirit had an opportunity to grow and then experience all kinds of things that, that i can't explain and some of it is is really out of this world and i don't want to go too much into it you can imagine um but the spiritual awakening kind of started there for me uh, a reawakening actually because i was always spiritual and um uh, I, I might sound crazy, but I'm going to tell the story anyway because I think I think it, we all we experienced a mass vision. We we all saw the same thing, and if you didn't see it, you felt it. While we were blocking the road um, in June of 2015, um, some of the people I brought to the mountain had placed rocks in the middle of the road. And I knew, I just knew already that the press was going to say that we we're desecrating our own mountain if they, got a, if, they got a, if they got a picture of that. And that's exactly what they said. But um, turning around, walking up the mountain, trying to look for those people that I brought and, and tell them what the hell do they think they're doing? You know, we, we got to do this a certain way. Um, and we cannot, we, got, we cannot come off as desecrating our own place. But the rocks were so instrumental in stopping the progression of, of, of the telescope. Um, while turn around, looking for those guys, walking up the hill, um, up the mountain, Mount Mauna uh, I see the rocks all over the road that they put on the road. And, and they're rolling. Some of the rocks are rolling because it's a steep incline. And uh, as I'm walking up and preparing to what I'm going to say to these huge guys, right? They're way bigger than me, moving huge rocks on the road and give them a piece of my mind and making them stop. Um, I, inside, I heard some. I heard a voice. Now, when I say I heard a voice, I didn't hear it with my ears. I I feel like if I hear it with my ears, I gotta go check with the doctor because nothing's ever told to me in that manner through the ear of hearing. But but hearing inside my heart, um, and and it said this. It said, "I we want to join the blockade." And I I, just, I, I faltered a little bit, and then I said, "That's crazy. That's a crazy thought." And um, I keep walking up the hill to give them a piece of my mind to make them stop putting rocks on the road. Um, and then I hear it again as, as another rock turns over. And, and to me, rocks have a face. Um, that, that if you look at any rock, there's a certain way that it positions that, that there's a face on the rock. And these rocks had faces and mouths. Um, not, not literally, but as a rock. Um, and it said, again, we want to join the blockade. That's what it said. And then I stopped. For real, this time I stopped. Because <laughs> I'm not one to convince myself to stop doing what I'm about to go do. <laughs> that, that, that is important. Like, um, I'm not one to turn around and, and convince myself otherwise. But knowing that, that those were not my thoughts is what I realized at that moment. <laughs> like, that, that was something else telling me that. 
um, and, and I said, who am I to, to say otherwise then? And I turned around and I went back to um, my line and, and continued up the mountain as they pushed us back to the last line. Uh, I turn around and there are these two huge rocks. These men could not have moved this rock on the road. I, I don't know how it got there. It was about the size of like 10 people huddled together, one rock. And each one was about that big. That was line number 13 on Mount Mauna Kea. And um, they were doing chants in that line. Ko'ihonua, um, we call them. And these are chants about the origin of the Hawaiian people, the birth of the first human, um, the birth of the islands. They're talking about Sky Father, Earth Mother, giving birth to each island. And... Um, and how, how we're related in that chain um, as, as family to the land. Um, because uh, down the line in this chant, um, we come to the first chief, um, Haloa Nakalao Kapali, we call him. Um, um, and uh, the, the first human being. So th that's our culture's record of coming into existence. That's, that's how we believe we became Hawaiians, um, and I think every culture has a um, ko, ko ihonua, an origin. Um, I, 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 I don't want to use the word myth, but an origin um, history, uh, uh, their own history of, of themselves. Um, myth implies fiction, and, and I think this has more to do with fact than fiction. Um, I turn around, and the last line is doing their chant. I see two huge rocks, boulders, let's call them. And what I see, uh, as the mist comes down onto the ground um, and, and envelops us, um, all I see is um, these like 15 foot tall, translucent Hawaiians standing out of the rocks, like one out of each rock. And, and I was like, really, I thought I was, I didn't want to tell anybody what I saw. I, I didn't want to cause like any attention to me that I was seeing, seeing this or that because I just didn't want pe people to think I was crazy or you know um, but the man they were both men on the left above the left rock points down to the rock and, and, and nods his head at me and um, I had brought um, special items with me to offer as an offering to the Mauna and my Kumu had um, helped me select them and they, these were um, pa'akai or salt from the sea. Um, the other one was limukala. It's a type of seaweed and the name means to, to free or to release limukala. And I had fresh water. And because it was the mountain, it was appropriate to bring something from the sea to represent the whole of the island that, from the mountain to the sea. Um, and, and that's an appropriate offering. And water is always valuable, especially to Hawaiians. Vai, because um, the word for rich is vai vai. And, and that comes directly from um, the appreciation of water. Because when you think about it, we live 2,600 miles away from the next landfall. And your fresh water is uh, imperatively important. Um, so I gave these things to the spirits I saw and prayed that they, that they, that we do as as the spirit 
the great spirit um, wishes. And we, that whatever reason we're here or we think we're here for, that guide us to um, like guide us with their hand and um, and make make their insights and their and their um, desires come true. Because uh, I think they have a better perspective, um, spirits, um, than we do um, on life. And I think um, sometimes the Great Spirit knows better all the time. The Great Spirit knows better what is good for you than you know what is good for yourself. And so I think they believe that in Christianity too. I've heard them say prayers like, God, please um Make make uh, make me your tool to do your wish, something like that, yeah. Um, and then when I finally got up, I was on the ground for a long time with these rocks and doing prayers over them as the line chanted, the last blockade line chanted, and the DLNR with their automatic weapons and their fatigues coming up the mountain all gung ho. Um, uh, the spirit told me to tell them what, what they're looking at, yeah? What what are we chanting? You gotta explain it to them because they don't know. And so I started to translate what they're what they were saying, you know, Papa and Wakia, Sky Sky Father, Earth Mother joined in a union and had a daughter, Hoku Kalani. Um, later on down the line, we're they're creating and giving birth to the islands and then to the first chief and went over and over again they did the chant over and over again they were doing the chant over and over again i translated for a deal in r um there must have been about whew, i want to say 30 to 60 i know that's a wide margin but i can't really tell you how much deal in r were there there was just a lot of um deal in our um, department of land and natural resources that's what deal in our means um their militia they have their own policing force for the land and natural resource land um, resources in Hawaii, and they are um, armed with semi-automatic weapons. Um, I kept translating what they were seeing, and at, at a breaking at some breaking point, all I know is that they were all crying all of a sudden, and that that had been my calling to be on Mauna Kea to make these people cry that was that was exactly what i was told in spirit and not in a mean way but to open their hearts each line had a theme um, that was blocking the road and there were 13 lines one line was just young young women um another line was um was elder women kupunas another line was elder men and so on we had these themes and as we as they approached each line to to arrest the person and clear out and move up some more, advance the TMT's um, equipment for construction, 30 meter telescope. Um, as they broke each line, I would tell them, like I knew some of these do-care do officers that work for DLNR, that were enforcing the DLNRs and the TMT's perceived right to, to continue construction. And um, like one of them, um, I worked with his mother at the grocery store called Sure Save, um, that's no longer there anymore in the Parker Ranch Center in Waimea. And um, I told him, I said, you know, it's your, and I knew, and I, and I feel bad kind of for it, but but I think it needed to be said, you know. I was like, is, is your mom still alive? You know, and and of course I knew she passed away. And he said she passed away, and he's coming up with his gun and pushing me on the side, and 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 I said, well, you know, wouldn't 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that she's, she passed away. I really miss her, but wouldn't it be horrible if she had to watch this? And so I, I was, I was there doing and saying those kinds of things to these people. Doesn't this, doesn't this girl that you're arresting look like your daughter? Are you going to arrest your daughter for trying to protect her natural resources? Um, and by the time they got to the 13th line and we were translating our, the, the chant that was being done as, as we blocked the road, um, they were all crying because um, it, it must be a hard, it must have been hard for them because we were really intense on them and in, in a way that was the highest kind of aloha. Like we, we made a commitment to not engage in any kind of violence or anything to incite violence. And, and, and to pretty much kill them with aloha, I guess. I, mean, I hate to say it like that. But um, when, when it was all done, they were all crying. They called off the progression of the equipment to build the 30-meter telescope. And in the eight hours that we were in that confrontation, blocking the road right above the visitor center at Mauna Kea, they didn't make it past the first turn, not even a third of a mile. Um, for eight hours, we, we kept them um, away from the sacred area and, and, and we kept the, we protected the, the mountain. Um, I was freaking out a, a little bit, but I also knew that I was in the sacred area and I, and I knew that what I was seeing, was, some people might think is crazy. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just did what I did what I did, and I didn't mention anything to anybody what, what, I, was, what I was looking at. Um, and when I when I was done with the prayers, and I stood up, the people, the, those translucent fifteen foot tall Hawaiians that were standing out of the rocks on the boulders that was in the road <clears throat> were gone. The, the boulders are still there. So I prayed that spirit the, the spirits come down to earth and and into the realm of humans to guide us. And protect us, and, and have have the great spirit's will be done. Um, and then I started, you know, I'm kind of in a daze. We're done. We're hugging with the the, the care officers are crying. They want to hug us. Um, they call off the the advancement of the TMT. Um, so that they failed that day, and we succeeded. Um, and I I don't have any trouble. Some people there had trouble um, with it, but. If people want to share aloha with you, even if they're your enemy, they want to hug you, um, you give them that aloha because that's what I was taught. You, you always give aloha first and, and don't expect it and um, give it freely without expecting aloha back. And living in that way, we, we were able to keep the peace in the Mauna. Nobody ever got hurt. And I'm going to knock on wood and continue to pray that nobody does get hurt ever. And um, walking down all in the days of that, like, what the, what the heck did I just see over crazy? Walking down the hill, people kept walking up to me. Um, not just Hawaiians, but but the Haoles that were there. Um, coming up to me and grabbing my arm and looking me in the face saying, I want you to know that I saw what you saw. I saw those people standing out of the rocks. And I was like, okay. And then another person came, and another person came and told me that. And another person, and another person, all the way down the hill. And and I think um, for me, 
that was a spiritual experience and it was a mass spiritual experience. Um, most of the people that saw that, like what, I'm, what I described, um, some people didn't see anything at all, but they felt it and they were, they were stuck in the mist. When the mists on Mauna Kea summit, so that's a 6,000 foot level and above, when the mists come down from, from the heavens and touch the ground, that is a manifestation and sign that my tutu, Lili Noi, uh, is there. She's a chiefess that was buried in Pu'u Lili Noi. Um, and the 55th, 55 generations above the chief Umi, um, who is famous for taking his court to Mauna Kea and ruling his, his ruling... Um, he was the ruling chief and his court was from Mauna Kea, the center of the island. Um, that's his 55th great-great-grandmother and, and my great-grandmother too. Um, so she was there because the mist came and touched the ground and it enveloped us. Um, I don't know who the people were that were standing out of the rocks, but I know that there were some kind of kupunas elders um, and uh, we were again um, denied our rights the next day because once you do something like that you pray for the spirit to come into the into the world to reside into this rock that, that you're going to um, in effect ho'omana or give mana to or a loose translation that's not exact um, worship um then now you have this thing that you've created and consecrated with prayer and transfigured a spirit into um, that, that you have to take care of. Well, they blocked the roads and they graded the road and they pushed all the rocks on the side indiscriminately. And um, we weren't able to go and take care of those things that we had created, uh, those responsibilities that we have incurred. And so that was really hard to take because it's like a, it's like a family member, maybe I feel like, and you weren't able to go and make sure they were okay, and you brought them into this um, situation, and so that was a, that was a huge violation of our spiritual rights when they blocked the road, wouldn't let us in the next day, and then um, indiscriminately just um, graded the road, and uh, I was really really hurt because of that. But the spirit told me that. And it's no excuse, but the spirit did show me that um, that they knew what they were getting into when they did that. When they came in, when they came out of the rocks and they asked asked for those offerings, and that I, I should I should uh, be at ease that they knew what they were getting into. But uh, I think spiritually, still I feel uh, unsettled and. Not complete, and it's not a good thing that, that that this happened to those, to those um, to those sacred, now sacred boulders that we consecrated with prayer, and um, anyhow, that was the experience that uh, about seven hundred people had at one time. Um, some didn't see it, but many did, and. Um, I just want to share that with you folks that um, the spirit is real. The spirit is with you now. Uh, you don't have to be on Mauna Kea 
but there are certain places where the spirit is magnified. And um, since that day, I think I've been a little offset because I haven't been able to complete the caretaking of those boulders. Um, and sometimes I cry, like I'm surprised I'm not crying now. But um, but it was because of them that we were able to block the road because of the strength they gave us and whatever guidance they somehow gave us and just being there and present and, and showing themselves to us is um, uh, a privilege. And um, I don't see things now. I don't, I don't hear things that, are, that aren't there. Um, I'm not the person that's constantly going, did you see that? What is that? Um, I, I never do. And so I've been sharing that with you folks because the spirit has moved me. Um, as one of the first three people to sit down on the road and block the road um, on Mauna Kea at the very first um, blockade. Um, there's been a couple blockades since then. Um, one where they arrested all of our elders who decided to block the road on their own and have us instructed us to stand on the side and let them get arrested. I mean, in essence, that was a smart thing to, to do as far as PR is concerned. But but as a Hawaiian, you don't want to, you don't want, or as a person, as a human being, you don't want to leave your elder out in the road to get arrested by these thugs that have fatigues and and um, <laughs> um, semi-automatic weapons on and, and, you know, carrying them out to the paddy wagon. Um, but I can testify that some of what's going on in Mauna Kea is, real, is, real, is the real thing, is a real spiritual experience, um, at least in, in my point of view. Um, I want to share that, that, that something that we did experience up there. And I believe that we all can experience the spiritual. Maybe not, not see them or, or have intentions that are human intentions, whatever they are, to, to bother um, th- th- those resting in peace. <laughs> um, but sometimes they want to bother you. <laughs> and um, yeah, I wish I knew their names of, of the people that, that were the translucent 15 foot tall um, Hawaiians that were standing out of the rocks, but I guess it's not meant to be. Um, I wish I knew where uh, we went looking all over um, the sides of the road, all over where where they could be. But they, I, I think, I think they destroyed destroyed them. I think they blew them up or ran them over or something because there were no boulders to be found that that would um, allow us to complete and our our ritual and take care of these um, things we have we had prayed into existence as far as um, bringing the spirit out of the spirit world and, and into the Poaku. Um, I'm sure there's many other experiences that many of you might have that I wouldn't mind hearing about them if the spirit moves you or sharing about them if the spirit moves you. But I, but, but for sure, I, I would want you to be moved to do that and not feel obligated. Um, I don't know who had to hear that story or who needed to hear that story, but I'm pretty sure there's a reason why I'm I'm telling this story. And if anybody identifies and feels comfortable um, to step forward um, and, and testify, that that would, that would be uh, welcome. 
So, besides sitting on Mount Akea <laughs> and blocking the road and um, defending ourselves in the contested court case and Supreme Court case following that, um, I've been trying to create n- more Hawaiian spaces for Hawaiian things that, that we don't see anymore that are that are in effect dying out. And one of those things is traditional Hawaiian music. Um, there's a spirit in, in, in music, in, in every culture's music. And I think when it appeals to you, you know that you have, you know that you have aloha for, for these sounds and these manifestations of, of, of human expression. Um, and that's what the mele are to me too. Um, they, they contain our language, which is on the brink of extinction, but making a comeback. Um, they contain our um, ways and beliefs are encoded in these songs. Um, and I say beliefs on purpose because I don't believe Kanaka um, or Hawaiians have superstitions. Um, we have beliefs based on um, uh, based on our own observations and our, and our own type of sciences. And so, yeah, I wonder if anybody else has um, similar beliefs or experiences. When we were um, fixing up to block the road, we, we took about two years to plan that, um, pre-plan that and, and talk to all the other groups involved and invested in the Mauna to, to see if we had support to block the road because they were on their 13th appeal at the court. Um, for the permit and, I, and my whole thing when I went up to talk to some of the leaders was uh, how much more appeals are we going to wait for how much more of that judge's grandchildren's mortgages are you going to pay because it costs a lot of money to, to do these appeals and that's that's what finally um, made everybody agree that you know what we, we will block the road this time and Hawaiians are very stigmatized people I would say we're, we're um, afraid to um, cause trouble um, we've been um, conditioned to be afraid to speak our own language or maintain our beliefs because they've been demonized um, by the status quo and um, so it took a lot for some for a lot of those Hawaiians to block the road. And we had our allies there, our Poe Haole allies there, our Poe Kepani um, allies there, our people from China, Aotearoa. And um, they were great allies. They, they, let, they let us have our space to, to make our own decisions, of course, which is very respectful. But they, were, they stood there strong. They were there with their cameras. They were there with food. They were there with their prayers. There were people calling me from um, other countries. Like uh, this lady in a care home called me, claimed to be a shaman of her people. Said she saved all her money from um, from um, Social Security so she could give me a call in Hawaii from her nursing home to tell me that, that she was a shaman and that her, her message was that we, she said to, she said, wear your native clothing and build your native structures. Do it. Um, because that's what this movement needs. Um, they need to see you in, in your 
in your cultural habitat and and recognize you and it, it'll be a sign to them uh, uh, that we're undoubtedly um, the practitioners we claim to be which is which is the big deal that they, they try to and when I say they I mean the University of Hawaii DLNR and the contested court case and the Supreme Court um, they um, they want us to um volunteer not to participate in these things and not to assert our rights um, and I think that helped a lot um, passing those messages along and people would call from different tribal nations and tell us that we're going to stand on our mountain on the same day that you're doing this and we're going to send and amplify our prayers from the top of our mountain to yours and I, I got to tell you when we, when we went to the top of our mountain before that day began I went, we went to um, give respect and, and to ask permission um, of the Aina for what we were about to do. We got to the top of the mountain um, that morning before the blockade, and you could feel the vibrations and, um, of what I can only describe as their prayers being, being sent from all over the world to the top of the summit of Mauna Kea. And, and with that kind of power of people consciously sending new manifestations of positivity and, and help um, also on that mountain are the 13 telescopes that are there now and they're telescope complexes so there's at the summit there's this um, area where there's all these satellites pointing in one direction it's eerie and it buzzes it goes so part of the vibration was that <laughs> too but um but once I took um, the first group up to ask for permission and declare why we're there and respect the land before we blockaded, um, there was an atheist among us, a stark, a staunch atheist. Like the whole two years we were planning, I would do, I would do a little prayer before I eat and stuff like that. And, and she would be like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what? why are you praying to, praying to their God? And all this stuff, because the perception is that um, while, while Hawaiians were praying and, and reading the Bible, the missionaries wrote and brought to us in the 1800s, while our heads were down praying, their, their heads and hands were up stealing our lands. And so there's plenty of distrust for Christianity. But this same person, two years later, on the mountain after um, after being through two ceremonies that I had done because I do three on the mountain, one at the bottom, one at the middle altar that they built, and the bottom has an altar too, and one at the top. So three places I would go to to um, Ho'okupu or give offering and um, state our purposes and try to get permission to be there um, and show that respect to our, the land is our um, elder. In, in the genealogy of things and so to pay our respect to our elder um, I would wrap everybody in a pink kihei because pink is the color of the snow when the sun is setting a certain way on the mountain and that is a manifestation of nature that represents the presence of Kukahaula who is the husband of, of Poliahu, the snow goddess and Poliahu is the sister of Maitutu Lilinoi. These people were, these um, deities now were all people at one point and they were deified upon death. So um, it, it's also not a superstition. Um, 
um, it's based in reality. Um, they were chiefesses in life, chiefs and chiefesses in life. And in death, they were consecrated to immortality and status of a god and goddess. And, um, and they were given the forms of manifestation. And um, so my tutu is, like, again, the, the myth. And not just my tutu, anybody who's related to Umi, which is anybody who's related to Kamehameha I, which is everybody. <laughs> um, but I don't encourage people to, to go off um, spot enough a genealogy if, if they don't have their genealogy really and they're just taking my advice. Like you need to know and research and, and find your connection for real and not just take somebody's word for it. But I, I can tell you for sure that if you're related to Kamehameha, then you're related to Umi. And if you're related to Umi, then you're related to um, Lilinoi. And, and, and that is your grandmother as well, um, if that be the case. And I believe that to be the case for every single Hawaiian today um, because of the way that um, Umi's children married in the LPO um, arrangements, which was a sacred marriage. Um, and um, in, in the Western society, it's frowned upon. Um, in Hawaiian society, the chiefs were not raised with their siblings. They were complete strangers to each other, but they were betrothed to each other to keep the bloodline strong. And so Umi had had every single one of his children, and they were all named Kiave something, Kiave Amahi, Kiave Aumi, um, um, Kiave Mauhili. Um, they're, they're all brothers. <clears throat> he had them marry um, uh, and betrothed to in the LPO arrangement with their sis, with their sister, estranged sisters, I guess you could say, and um, that that is how I know for a fact that all the, all the genealogy that comes out of that is related. Um, people are ashamed of that, um, but uh, I I think um, in ancient times, uh, even other um, Western um, royalties have done the same thing. Um, intermarried each other to keep the power and it was no different in Hawaii um, anybody in the audience um, want to share that they're related to Umi or, or, or Kamehameha and talk story about Lilinoi maybe um, because if you didn't know and you are related to those, these two people in particular you, um, you might have just found out that Lilinoi is your ancestor too for me. Um, if you Google my name online, um, you'll see a lot of Mauna Kea things pop up, Kamahana Kea But you'll also see a um, document that is a genealogy that I that I submitted to the court case, contested court case um, against the team T for the Mauna. And um, it lists the exact genealogy I'm talking about. And um, you're welcome to take a look at that. Not hard to find. Just Google Kamahana Ke Aloha and maybe put DLNR. You see it. If anybody's interested in the more details about Mauna Kea or um, the sacredness of it, um, the environmental laws being um, fractured, broken, the endangered species laws being broken, human rights laws being broken then you you want to go to sacredmaunakea.wordpress.com sacredmaunakea.wordpress.com I'm not soliciting you for anything but I do encourage um, if anybody feels it in their heart to donate 
you can you can see multiple places that you can help because it's it's been a um, heavy heavy cost on on the people participating in the court cases and um, and any, anything we can do to help um, would be appreciated but more importantly use it as a resource to find out about Mauna Kea I, um, I've posted tons of blog posts translating Hawaiian language documents not just me telling you why it's sacred but why it's sacred to the people that passed it down to us as sacred um, specific reasons yeah um, for example, it's a continue. It continues to be a burial grounds for many Hawaiians and non-Hawaiians. Like people scatter the ashes up there all the time. When um when I was bringing people up to the Mauna, I I was I would filter them depending on what their purpose was. Yeah, like were they there? Were they really there to assist? Were they there to start trouble? Were they gonna? contribute uh, to the to the fund that contribute to them being there a lot of them wanted to take the ashes up that they had been holding for years and finally release them on the mountain and so in 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 the face of the courts telling us that that we don't practice our culture up there and that that we're making it up i mean at the same time we're we're, we're actually practicing the culture i mean <laughs> there's no better way to do it than, than right in their face at the same time um, there was a lot of hakaka between between the Hawaiians and other Hawaiians, and me in particular up there, um, because I had to I had to learn how to have even more aloha than I thought I had for all the people that were going to be standing on the sacred ground that I know my burials are at, um, and many of them don't know where their burials are but were moved to be there and um, they don't know that that um, making loud noises in the summit is considered a desecration blowing conch shells at the summit is considered a desecration um, uh, um, and so I would get very angry because the reason we're up there is to stop desecration and yet unknowingly these and unwittingly and, uh, and without any effort to to find out otherwise you know they assume that everybody up there is up there as a cultural descendant versus a lineal descendant and so for the people that whose, whose burials and bones are there and are going to be there after they die whose umbilical cords have been taken up to the to the um lake um, to be hidden in in, in sacred um, ceremony for the life of the child, um, for these people, that's that, that's that's a that's a story to them, more than it's a reality. And so, I, I like I said, I had to have way more aloha than I went in with to um, I had to learn that to not to not be a negative presence on the mountain and yelling at everybody and things like that. Like it, it really. Um, was hard to, to not um, get excited when you know that hey this is these are where my bones are at now and um, this is a sacred ground now and and so people that don't understand that um, don't know what the proper etiquette is yeah and they weren't trying to learn 
and I wasn't I wasn't trying to be the good teacher that they that that they needed. So I have to grow that aloha too, yeah, and 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 share those things in a in a space that was good for them and showed aloha. Um, I think a lot of positive things have come from this. Um, I think every day in the legislature, Mama Kea is brought up, and that's that's an improvement right there. Um, the issues of Mama Kea are, are far and wide. Um, and they're not just about Hawaiian spirituality. Um, like I said, environmental, uh, endangered species environments and laws that protect them are up there as well. Um, in the telescope park that they built up there in the middle of an endangered species environment, the telescopes have something that sounds so fancy but isn't um, French drains and if you know what French drains are then you know what I'm talking about they're holes in the, on, the, on the floor that basically let raw waste right out onto the endangered species environment and protected air, protected area and not to mention sacred burial grounds so if there's a mercury spill or if, or if they're washing anything uh, off which is all the time with the telescopes all that water goes from the holes right there in the ground, uh, in the in the foundation of, of the telescopes, straight onto the um, into the environment, and that's problematic. Um, I think when we're talking about a protected, endangered species environment and a sacred burial ground. But the good things that happen, let's talk about those. Um, the awareness, the support from um, people all over the world has, has been phenomenal. Um, they brought their talents. Some were photographers, some were writers, um, some were professors, some were lawyers, some were artists. And, and they brought their talents with them and they, and, and they used their talents to um, forward support for our cause a lot of us um, that blocked the road are were, like I was pursuing two bachelor's uh, uh, two bachelor's degrees at the same time I, on another island um, while I was mostly on Mauna Kea for those two years that, that I achieved uh, um, that goal other people were lawyers and professors like I said and teachers they weren't a bunch of um, like they tried to paint us in the press as a bunch of um an angry mob of Hawaiians um, that didn't have anything better to do, like jobs. It wasn't like that. We, we were sacrificing. I don't even know how I graduated. Being two years on the on, on Mauna Kea, it was a blessing. I mean, I worked hard, but I don't remember it. Um, remember remember um, in exactly how, how I did that every day. Um, being on the big island, going to school in Manoa, in Honolulu, and um, being at the summit of Mauna Kea most of the time, too. Um, so that in itself is a miracle. Um, the good things that happened was when we got to the contested case portion, um, all the leaders that had a had a interest were there. My interest was the interest of as a descendant of Lilinoi, Ho'okahi 
uh, one of the leaders um, of one of the prominent leaders of the mountain. Um, he was there um, in the interest as a descendant of Umi. Um, other people were there for you had you have to have a solid legal reason to be in the contested case. So you have to have an original reason too, and not duplicate another reason that somebody's already there for. Some people were there for the water. Some people were there for the environmental laws. Some people were there for um, all kinds of different legalities that they were that they were standing for. But when we got to the contested case, we all defended ourselves as our own lawyers separately. But we worked together so well, having been through all that ha 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 and and internal fighting and, and smoothing out. Without that, without the fighting before. And the and the and the coming together, and clearing up things, smoothing things out, and becoming friends, we wouldn't have been the tight unit that we were at the contested case. If you'd like to see how how the contested case went, they have every single contested case seven and a half hours a day, five days a week, or was it no? It was five days a week for about two and a half years. Um, they're recording us on public television, so you can watch that on YouTube. And, and and see what I'm talking about. Um, it was fantastic. It was it was like watching a well-oiled machine work against against the, the people we need to work against. Um, their initiatives work against the university. We were like one hand. And um, when it first started the contested case, I I I had rubbed a lot of shoulders the wrong way up there and on purpose because you're standing on my burial grounds while you, you're still trying to figure out your genealogy, you're desecrating mine um, and, and you don't and they didn't care about that and, and that was hard to take but that was the reality. Um, but the first day that we started the contested case there were all these eyes looking at me like what the hell am I doing here? What is he going to say? And, and I, my, the, the judge the contested case hearing officer not judge she was a judge, but she's a hearing officer in this in this particular um, arrangement with the contested case. She she looked at me and she said, "So, Mr. Kealoha, I hear you're claiming to be a descendant of the goddess Lilinoi, and that's how she talked to me, like like I was uh, like I was making a outlandish claim um, that couldn't possibly be true." Um, and how I got in to the case was because I asserted right there that I was not making a claim that this is a fact. And here's here is proof of the fact. I had all my paperwork with me too, of, of the of lineage and um, generation by generation, the proof. Um, and I got a huge side eye because a lot of people want to want want to need to be linear dis- lineal descendants and cannot because lineal descendants have more rights. Yeah. And, and they can they can say what goes and protect their sacred grounds. Uh, DNR has to consult them. Cultural descendants are, are just um, suggestions. They're only good for suggestions. They don't. Not, we don't have to do anything they say. Gilmar says. But um, when I said that um, to her, it ruined her whole. She seemed like she was trying to um, divide us from the beginning. By by, she knew that we had we had rubbed each other the wrong way already and she she knew that that a lot of people have been trying to claim what 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 she says i was trying to claim 
but um, I had to correct her and said, I'm not making a claim. If you agree in, in a court case, then then that's what they're going to write down. He's making a claim. Uh, but I objected and said, I'm not making a claim. I'm stating a fact. And um, I have the information here to prove it. And, and just because you haven't seen it yet doesn't mean that it's a claim. This is, this is I'm, I'm letting you know that, that um, this is my burial grounds. Here's the proof. This is not a claim. I'm not asking for your... Because when you say claim, then you, you put yourself under the jurisdiction to, for that claim to be proved. You have to prove that claim. All the claims you make. That's why you got to be careful what you say in a court of law or a contested court case. Because everything you claim, you have the onus to prove. You're better, you're better off silent sometimes. Um, and, and not saying very little. And, and in order to um, have to prove less. So that foiled her plans to divide us. Um, um, that foiled her plans to keep me out of the contested case. And um, after that moment, right after that, um, all of the contested case um, applicants walked outside and, and pull a case came and, and grabbed all our hands together and, and we affirmed right then and there that we were all in this together because that's what I told the, the judge when she said, she said, well, Mr. Kealoha, since you're claiming to be a descendant, like that's how she talked to me, of Lily Noy, then, um, then that means everybody has to leave the room and you get special privileges. And, and um, that was a lie. Um, the truth is that if you have lineal descent, you have the choice to have people in in the um, meeting with you or not. And I told her from that point on, because I knew better, that just because they didn't have the proof that they were related to Illinois doesn't mean that they don't have the right to be here because they are related. And that they don't have to fulfill your demand for onus on, on that relation because I'm telling you, I'm not claiming it. And this is the proof too. And, 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 and I think right then, the spirit told me to do that, to include them and not be vengeful. And, and, and throw them out of the meeting because it told me that we needed to, we needed that to to solve everything and that's what happened um, everybody started crying when I said to no they get they, they belong in here and they're going to stay because I have the choice they don't have to leave so you, you gave me wrong information I think oh no I didn't I wasn't finished um, and so that moved them enough to make amends with we all made amends with each other and, and held hands and said that from this point on we're all in this together and um, from that point on we were dancing circles around them in the contested court case and the Supreme Court case the only reason they won is because it was a predetermined outcome um, really and that's a, a violation of due process which is a constitutional right um, so you see it's still ongoing there's still objections i'm still getting um motions from the case um being made currently and, and they need a response um yeah i wonder if anybody else has had, contrib had contributed their time and life energy to something like this or on mama care if you have any questions or or feelings that you'd like to express i know it's not I don't assume that everybody supports what I support. I'm just telling you what I did and why I did it and why I continue to support it. But I think um, that should be taken more 
than with a grain of salt because um, I have burials there and I plan to be buried there. And um, I think that's important when it comes to analyzing other people's actions and um, inactions, maybe when it comes to things like this. Not, not a lot of people like confrontation. Uh, people are sick of hearing about it. They get fatigue. They get Mauna fatigue, I guess. Like they get fatigue of anything else. But um, if anybody has a point they'd like to bring up, or, or um, not all, um, uh, share their thoughts about um, what they feel, um, this is a safe place to tell me you support the TMT. This is a safe place to tell me that uh, you don't believe anything I said. I, I just like to talk story with um, somebody with a different perspective. And if not, somebody with the same perspective would be nice too. Have you have you experienced something like this? Have you heard of anybody experiencing spirituality like this? Um, did you get any messages while I was talking to you about some of the things I saw? Oh, we have a guest. We have Nikisha Harriet. Oh. Aloha, Nikisha. Thank you for joining me. I hope I'm not scaring people away. I really wish people would come and talk story. Aloha, Nikisha. Hi. Oh, 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 I can't say it. Ola. Okay. Alo <laughs> aloha. Aloha. Okay. Aloha. It's okay. Thanks for trying. <laughs> it means welcome and it means, it means love and welcome and all those positive things. Amazing. I just wanted to tell you that you know I think you're a really amazing person and you talk about a lot of interesting stuff. So thank you very much. I appreciate your presence and your your time is something we can never get back. No matter how much money we have, so spending time with me is very is I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Yeah. Where are you from? Um, Canada, Toronto, Canada. Oh, oh! I feel so. I feel so much aloha for the native um, um, uh, Canadians there that are trying to save mm -hmm. their vans from the from the oil, I, I guess, um, companies. And I've, I've been seeing so much heartfelt um, pleas coming from from their videos and their social media. And I, I really want to send you folks in Canada the aloha to to somehow work that out and, and make everything balance again because it must be really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really <laughs> over here. Well, um, what do you do? Um, are you a student or um, are you on vacation or something? Or you work? Um, so actually, I just, I do, well, I was working um, during the pandemic, but I'm not anymore. So I'm just doing cryptocurrency and... Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, at least you're keeping busy. I, I, I too was working during the pandemic, but um, the funds ran out. I was a, I was a contact tracer for COVID, so I, I have to find another job too. But I'm, I'm taking it in stride and and, and yeah. keeping my eyes and heart open for opportunities. Yeah. Have you ever been to Have you ever been to Hawaii? I wish. <laughs> I wish I'd been to Canada. I gotta go there one day. Oh, <laughs> Hawaii is way much better. <laughs> well, I, I guess I, I do love Hawaii and we're so lucky to live here. It's a God-blessed place, but Canada's beautiful too. Yeah, 
I, I haven't even really toured around my own country. Like, I'm hearing other places like Alberta, because I'm, I'm from Toronto, city city life. But uh-huh. the actual outside, like the other parts of Canada, I, I think they're really nice too. So, yeah. <laughs> I so, how I- did you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, one day you will be. I, I feel like I feel like you will be. You will be visit Hawaii and tour your whole Canada one day too. Yeah, still, still young, right? <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when I was telling you the the, the stories of? Uh, did you hear me? Did you hear me when I was talking about the spiritual experience we I had on Monica about seeing the the spirit standing out of the rocks, or maybe maybe you missed that. Yeah, I think I missed that part. Oh yeah, so I was talking about Mauna Kea. That's our uh, um, that's our largest summit in in Hawaii, um, and um, they're trying to build a thirty meter telescope on there. And, and and I was one of the first three people to block the road. Mm-hmm. And and when we blocked the road, um, we had a mass spiritual experience. Most people saw it, but most people, other people just felt it. But everybody experienced it. Um, the the mist came down and covered us when we were when we were blocking the road, and um, manifestations appeared. And it sounds crazy, so I don't, I don't want to weird you out or anything. But I want to tell you what I was talking about. I um, and um, in this mass experience, spirits were seen. Um, 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 the 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 signs of nature were really strong. Like mist came down from the from the sky and sat on the ground. And it enveloped us, and um, there were manifestations of spirit that, that stood out of the rocks and um, and directed us to do certain things to um, to strengthen to strengthen the um, the blockade. And um, I don't know how you feel about that, or have you ever experienced something like that that that's unexplainable? I'm not I'm not freaked out about that, but okay. yeah, but I never really well. Yeah, I never really experienced that type of power before. Um, one thing I did experience before was, I don't know if you know about the third eye. I hear about it. I, I, I think I do know about it. Is that yeah. something, culture, that's like talked about or like it's not something you guys really... Um, well, there is a second sight, but we don't, we don't necessarily call it the third eye, but... Um, <laughs> But it, but it is the same concept of of um, like being able to see through a different lens, right? You're talking about. Yeah, so that's one of my experiences, not personally, but um, I have a a friend that is from India, and um, one time they invited a few people from the temple in India. Like I don't know exactly what it's called, uh, but it's a temple in India, and those people they. Um, they practice spirituality very heavily, right? So, uh-huh. yeah, they invited them over here because there's temples here in Toronto, Canada as well. And I was invited and there was a young girl and she, they basically, they did a blindfold. They, they covered her eyes. They let us try the blindfold first to see that we can't see anything, right? So it's actual covering her eyes and it's dark, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. after they did that, uh, they covered her face as much as possible, like underneath and everything. She started, she was able to see. She was able to see everything around her, even though she was wow. by. And I was like, 
I really believe in that stuff, but I never seen like it actually play out in real life. So that's yeah. that's one of the spiritual um, things I've experienced. But I haven't seen well, stuff. Well, there's there's more in the world that we can, that we don't see happening than there is that we do see. Like you know, like we, the wind blows by and we don't ever see it, but but right. it's there. Right, the currents are, are. We don't see it, but it's there. Um, um, you know, gravity. We don't see it, but it's there. Black matter, even it makes up most of the universe. We don't see it, but it's there. <laughs> so, yeah. so like, I like to try to destigmatize the, you know, demystify the 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 ghost stories a little bit, and and try to bring it down to reality. Like, what what are we really seeing here? What are we really not seeing here? And it, how did it make you feel when you when you saw when you saw that and the girl did what she did and was able to see? It it made me feel good to have that confirmation that there is something beyond the physical, and it uh, it like confirms that my way of thinking is real. So like I really believe in uh, law of attraction and manifesting, um, and I know that. The experience, like if that's if I see what I seen was true, then the stuff that I actually um, experience is also true, and it's not just in my head or like a placebo effect, right? So that yeah. made me really good. Oh, thank you, thank you for sharing that with me. And I, I, you have a, I feel a good presence when with you. So thank you for bringing that positivity up here to the stage and just you know being supportive. Um, you, you, yeah. You seem like an intuitive person, so, so thank you for, um, you know, choosing to talk story with me. No problem. You're always. I I can listen to you talk like all day. Like I'm just here listening, and I think all the audience agrees too. It's just like you have a really soothing voice, and the, the fact that you're talking about something really meaningful is touching a lot of people. So. Thank you. So are you by, by expressing yourself too and, and, and putting yourself out there. So I think we I think the more we make these connections, the stronger um, the stronger the goodness of it will be. And I, I don't see myself as a guru or anything like that, but I mean, no, it kind of comes off that way. Yeah, but it is what it is, and and I think the spirit is moving us to um, speak. You, you have anything to say? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't used this app, so if you have anything last last words to say, I don't know how to um, increase your time or anything. So I'm oh, looking at it. Oh, sorry. Thirty seconds. Just sound in the background, but I don't really have anything else to say. But if you want to change the time, you have to do it in your settings um, before you make the the call. Oh, thank you for that. This is my first time on um, <laughs> Wisdom, so that that'll help a lot. <laughs> I'll I'll change it next mm -hmm. time before I start. Right? You said. Yeah, I can. Yeah. All, I I got something to do, but I can always rejoin after my time yeah. is out, so I can come back as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you like, come back when when you like. But um, otherwise, blessings to you, and and I appreciate your presence. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, sometimes um, these stories are hard to tell because I know it makes me. Uh, it, it's it borders on crazy talk, um, but having been there and knowing what I've seen and knowing that I'm not a, I don't have something wrong with me that I see things or hear things, 
um, or I was hit in the head or anything or on drugs or anything like that, um, I'm confident that that somebody needed to hear that. And, and I hope that somebody um, can pay it forward and, and, and it helped them in their life that maybe maybe they th think something they saw makes them crazy and, and they needed to hear that other people experience these things too. But um, other than um, blocking the road around the hill, <laughs> um, I've had to bring... I've had to purposely bring non-confrontational, no, non-confrontational um, things into my life because that's such a confrontation to have all the time for that time period, just constantly being con confronted by the opposing um, um, entities, like the university, constantly cross-examined, constantly um, examining, and um, it's really not a good place to be for for spirituals like. I tell you, I was sitting in that contested case, and one of these um, witnesses um, for the telescope was straight up just sitting up there and lying and lying and lying and lying on the stand. And um, what I saw, <laughs> what I was shown, was was these evil-looking dark shadows that that were like like the whammy. Um, like that game, no whammies, no whammies, and you get a whammy, and the big, the big black dark shadow comes and laughs at you and pokes fun at you. Yeah, like like almost like a whammy on his shoulders, and um, that was the day I had to go home early because I I, I, did, I don't like seeing things that aren't there, you know, <laughs> especially if they're evil things. But but um, and and the voice in my head was saying that that this whole process is desecrating. Um, it's not it's not a halfway meeting it's, it's a full desecration and so if you folks can find it in your heart to find out more about Mauna Kea and, and support it with prayers or just by learning about it go to sacredmaunakea.wordpress.com we'll take care of you there there's everything you need to know all kinds of links and published articles and things that we wrote we're even open for people who want to contribute to the WordPress and, and have have their work published there. People have submitted writings. Professors have submitted writings. Um, artists have submitted uh, paintings and drawings uh, in support. That I, and I post it up there. Um, and, and I honor whatever they want to do with the, their piece of art or their piece of writing. Like if like if they want to, they want to sell it, for example, for for the charity on the Mauna, uh, we'll help, we'll help them do that. Or if they just want to share it to be there and and keep it for themselves later, that's fine too. But but I believe there's a lot of beautiful um, people out there who do get it and don't have to be explained to that water and food is important and and um sacred um and i stand by that i, th I think if, if sacred sacred was a science i, I, I would say that's a fact <laughs> sacred is a fact but um it's it's so subjective and hard to prove and, and and not meant for that kind of scrutiny or 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 desecrating uh uh, uh actions i would say uh, of, of scrutinizing something like that um, 
I didn't finish seeing what happened to the atheist in the Mauna. Um, after I was done wrapping everybody else in their pink um, kihei that represented Kukahaula, the husband of Poliahu on the Mauna, um, manifested there when the snow turns pink from the angle of the setting sun. Um, so I got um, cloth that was that same color so we could honor Ku Kahaula. And Ku Kahaula is a Ku God. And a Ku God is an aspect of the greatest, the great one spirit that is, um, that is in charge of war and anger and uh, murder and all those bad things um but confrontation also and so I, I think we needed that kind of spirit there to um help us become com confrontational in the right way so uh, I, I put pink on everybody and kiala kelly she she refuses the pink she doesn't want the pink she don't want to put it on her at all she doesn't want to do prayers she yells at me every time I pray because because they stole our land and how could you pray to their God? Um, well, I, I think I'm praying to the only God. <laughs> so there's that for two years and and but but she finally let me like we, we found our own spaces. But I knew she didn't approve of it and she didn't want to partake in the rituals. She didn't believe in it at all. Um, but by the third ritual, of, 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 I did the same ritual at each, each of the spots at the base of the mountain, in the middle of the a mountain ascent and at the summit and this this ritual included um, offerings um, of pro, um, song or if you brought something to offer an appropriate offering that was biodegradable something like salt or from the sea to encompass the idea that from the land to the sea we have support um, anyhow um, after the uh, each person gave um, their offering that they brought special they're instructed to bring um, I put the kihei on them, which is a shawl, kind of like a shawl, uh, a toga. Um, I, it's hot pink for the color of the, the god when he's present on the mauna and the snow is pink. Um, after I did what I thought was my last wrapping of, of the kihei, on, I think it was my mom or my sister-in-law. Um, we are asked to state our purpose and tell and, and vocalize why we are here in the sacred area and what and 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 to get permission from the unseen to be there and um it was very touching um every every individual person's um espousing out loud why why they were there why they were there um personally individually and some of them were there because they, they wanted to learn their culture. Some of them were there because they wanted to save their culture. Some of them were there because um, um, their their mother had died and told them to, to protect the Mauna. Um, th those were the last words of my Uncle Soli. Uh, um, he came one day to, and I found out he went to everybody's garage. I was young and I was in my grandpa's garage and we were making fish hooks to catch menpachi um, uh, type of redfish, which is like a troll line. So there was a line of hooks we were making and Uncle Soli came in and tells my grandpa and he's speaking pigeon. He goes, hey, Fern, hey, Fern, I gotta know if come time, I gonna die pretty soon. He was telling us and my, my grandpa Fern told him, no, you're not gonna die, Soli, you're not gonna die anytime soon. Stop it, shut up. And and, and then Soli kept going. He goes, no, Fern, I gotta, I gotta make you, I gotta get your promise that 
if the day come you guys will lay your bodies down for, uh, when it's time for the against the telescope and my grandpa told him yeah and and so because because my grandpa told him yeah um that's one of the reasons i i uh went to the mountain to do what i did because my grandpa had promised uncle soli that when the time came that we would do that and my grandpa was no longer alive and uncle soli is no longer alive and i'm the only one who's alive <laughs> when that promise was made and so um so that that's one of the reasons i was there um and when i say uncle he's not my blood uncle soli but that was my grandfather's best friend Little did I know that Uncle Soli went to everybody's garage in Waimea and did the same thing. <laughs> but but there you go, the whole Waimea was there. <laughs> and Waimea is the town right at the base of the mountain, yeah, on the Big Island, Parker Ranch area. I was hoping to um, maybe meet somebody who had some insight about these spiritual things, because even though I'm explaining what I perceive to you, um, I don't know for sure if that's what it is. Or if anybody has an insight on this, on this kinds of things, I'd love to hear it because that's, I've, I've, I've offered mine and, and how I felt and what I saw. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody out there that, 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 that knows about these kinds of things or, or has questions about these kinds of things. So to take it on a lighter note, um, having been off of the Mauna for so long, actually, <laughs> it still feels like yesterday. Um, I've been productive and trying to um, hold Hawaiian space um, in what I perceive as an ever encroaching um, world that 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 is um, forced it on the brink of extinction. In our cultural ways, and so one of the ways I feel that is um, important to me is holding that Hawaiian space for traditional Hawaiian music. Um, the Hawaiian language is, is further defined by its poetry. Um, the, the student of Hawaiian language is further enriched by these, by these lyrics in these songs and, and figuring out what they mean and the hidden meanings behind them, the double entendres with the words and how what how one thing can represent another in the Hawaiian mindset and how um, how the the belief of ikaolelo kamake ikaolelo keola in life uh, in words there are life and and in words there's death so what you speak can cause life bring life to it um, or bring life and what you speak can also bring death um, and so like in these mele or saw Hawaiian songs traditional Hawaiian songs it, it was very prevalent this belief so they would take their poetry after they compose a song and they would take it to an expert in, in poetry or a group of experts in poetry to sit around and consider um, that that poetry in particular the poetry in particular that that they're offering look at every single word um, Hawaiians believe that if the word had a connotation of something to do with death um, that does, that doesn't belong in a song so songs about um, mele Hawaii is about breathing life and, and, and encouraging life so things like um, 
if you wrote about a, a sunset in your in your poetry, um, that would be taken out because um, sunsets are used to describe the end of life in 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 dirges that were called kanikau that were created after somebody died. It was it was laments, and they would use sunsets and dark colors to describe the end of life. They would use the chill of the snow and the cape of Poliahu wrapping them in coldness to describe death. And so if these kinds of things were in your song, um, the, the expert would take it out to make it to make sure that your song is gonna is gonna breathe life and talk uh, and breathe positivity and that because what you speak you manifest. And Hawaiians believe that um, to to, uh, to a religion almost. And so the songs we look at are, have all been treated with that same concept that um, meticulously um, looked over for words that might um, allude to, to negativity. Um, if you put a word like ha'i or ka'i inside your song, um, it could be perceived as uh, a cutoff or a stab. And because of that negative connotation, they're going to change the words around for you and, and, and make sure that, that what you manifesting with those words are all positivity. And um, these are in the songs that we're going to hear. And if, you have, if you've been to one of my um, um, rooms um, with traditional Hawaiian music, thank you, first of all, for your presence. Time is more valuable than any commodity in the world and can't buy one second back with all the gold and silver and titanium and the diamonds in the world. You can't buy one second back. So how you spend your time and, and, and you choosing it to choosing to spend that time here with me, I, I appreciate that just as much, more, more than I can express because that's how valuable your time is. So thank you very much. Is anybody moved to um, sh share maybe? Or does anybody have a question? Um, Want to tell a story of your own uh, of spirituality? If you don't mind sharing, I would love to hear um, somebody who would be willing to share uh, something so personal as a spiritual experience with us here, if, if they felt moved. Um, I feel like um, telling our story can can um, open so many doors and heal so much so much things and people that we don't even know how far um, the healing can go when you when you share your stories I recently and I don't do this either I don't go to psychics and I, I usually you don't get my cards read or anything like that I'm not I don't I believe that God has guided me before in my life and if I need to know something God will tell me but I was watching this one intuitive on um, wisdom and on, on clubhouse and they were they were just fantastic um, just just uh, their presence and their the way that they carefully engaged with each of their clients and how they answered the questions, the hard questions about how can you see the future? What are you talking about? And all this very graciously and 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 being willing to say, I don't know, is so important to me when I'm choosing a, a teacher or, or a friend or somebody you, that you're gonna take instruction from. 
um, it's important that they're able to say, I don't know, because uh, if they're constantly trying to make things up to fill in gaps for things they don't know, you'll never hear them say, I don't know. So if you want to hear somebody say they don't know, uh, I'm, I, I'm drawn to their, that um, authenticity right there. And, I, and that's what drew me to this um, psychic. She calls herself a um, intuitive, though. She uses psychic in, in, interchangeably, but she prefers intuitive. Um, something was drawing me to her. Um, I continued to listen to her for a couple days until I finally, um, you know, she she works hard. And, and, and whether uh, whether she can see the future or not, like the talk, the talking with her is therapeutic um, because she's giving of herself in that way. Um, so I so I figured, oh, you know what, thirty five dollars isn't that much. Um, it, it's worth her time. It's worth my time. Let's see what she has to say. And you've been listening to this um, lady do her work uh, behind the scenes from Clubhouse, and, and you've been impressed by that. I'm talking to myself. Um, go give it a go, right? Um, and I was taken aback by the things she knew that she could not have known. Um, like, um, like um, my grandma had a favorite ice cream that's very specific. It's um, Hagen Dogs coffee flavor, and she had passed on, and she had made note of that. Um, the clothing my dad wore, he passed on when I was five. The, the kind of clothes he wore, what he looked like, um, and even more spot on, she. She saw my ancestors that I've been um, gathering my genealogy for the contested case about all on her own, um, dressed in their native clothing, um, displaying their their tattoos proudly, and and she hit it spot on. And 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 when she told me that that they want me to not be hesitant in getting a tattoo because I know because I have the, the the tattoos and and I know what they look like. I was I was I've been hesitant to put them on me because. I don't know what they mean, um, and I, I wouldn't hate to put something on me that was a curse or not meant for me or meant for somebody else. And, and she told me that they told me they told her for me to go ahead and do that. And she could never have known that that was been an issue in my life. Uh, a tattoo, uh, native a tribal tattoo. And I asked her um, which, you know, there are, there are many different ones to choose from. I'm, that's one of the reasons why I haven't chose because I don't want to which one should I wear? Do they suggest which one? And she described one with triangles, which is exactly the one I had my eye on. And um, I, don't, I know I know triangles is kind of vague, but it's kind of specific too. And um, she didn't say circles or, or man array shape or other different shapes, but the triangle one. So since she's told me these things, I've, I felt better about making the decision about getting those tattoos. That they would want, they would want me to wear wear their markings and represent them in in this um, present day. She described um, what they looked like, how they felt, uh, what they had to say to me, and all in all, it was a healthy um, communication. So um, I didn't feel like she was a quack, and I think it was really therapeutic. Um, no matter what she said, I'm um, not. No matter what she said, no matter what uh, I said, it was very therapeutic. Therapeutic. Does anybody have 
uh, a special person they go see f- to get their um, spirit um, work done. Um, I'd be interested to hear about that. I'm not a uh, well throughout this uh, work on the mountain and doing all these rituals and stuff I've become seen as a spiritual leader but I don't consider myself a spiritual leader I'm a human experiencing just like anybody else um, amazing things that that shouldn't have happened Um, but I guess me leading I still haven't told you what happened to the atheist leading people to um, spiritual awakenings um, like her like Kiala so after I wrap my last um, garment around the last person and then they give their last offering and they say why they're there they're in tears now um, because the air is vibrating from those antennas and from the prayers they're sending us but but from those antennas that are laid out on the mountain too and Haleakala is like in your hand reach like you can reach your hand out and grab Haleakala from the summit of Mount Akea almost it feels like it peaking above the clouds and and it's just such an amazing wondrous place to be if you ever get a chance to go to Mount Akea go with all the respect you can and 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 with the chance that it might be blockaded but if you do get a chance to go to Mount Akea uh, there's nothing in this um, world like it uh, I gotta say um it's, it's such a massive piece of earth next to another massive piece of earth, Mauna Loa, which is the heaviest and longest mountain in the world. Mauna Kea is the tallest mountain in the world. And Mauna Kea uh, sits on top of Mauna Loa. So them piled up together is such a great um, force to be reckoned with uh, of nature. Um, and when you go there, uh, bring in bring a prayer because on the summits of our mountains across the world um, they're all sacred places because that's where the watershed begins that's where our water of life fresh water first touches the earth and then comes down into our watersheds and waterlands and dikes and that's a sacred transaction right there providing life we can't live without water we can't live without oxygen all those things we can't live without food um that makes it sacred that makes it indispensable that makes it um a thing that should supremely be cared for and and made renewable because without it we die and and life is sacred i think we can all agree on 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 at least that one thing that life is sacred so what life needs to survive is should also be sacred um, Kiala taps me on the shoulder after my last um, um, presiding over a ritual on the mountain, and she said, "Could could you please um could you please wrap the key key here around me?" And and I said, "Oh really?" And so I wrapped the key here around her, and then I and then I said, "Did you want to do some prayers with us and and make your offering?" And she goes, "Yes." And so I and, and she with tears in her eyes now. She's doing her prayers and crying and, and being a Hawaiian that had turned away from God because of, of what the missionaries had done to us. Um, you could see that coming out of her. And, and, she, and she honestly had a spiritual awakening right there. You know, she took the ego away 
from from that confrontation she was posing herself against God with, and um, and she was an atheist. So because of what we were doing, we've we um, inspired her to believe in God again, and um, that was a very if anything good came out of this, just that one person finding God and having a relationship, a real relationship with God that, that they can heal from and grow from was um, something that you, you could never ask for. It's such a great gift. And um, that's what we are to each other. We're gifts to each other. Be a blessing or be a curse, one song I know says. And um, we, we choose whether or not to be that blessing to someone else or to the environment or to, to the children or to us. Be the blessing to yourself. Yeah, because otherwise, I think all we have left is, is to be a curse. I don't think there's, to me, there's nothing in between. You're either a blessing or a curse. So, so be a blessing. And I hope um, I can be the same for you. And um, that this talk might have awakened something in yourself. Maybe you want to visit Mauna Kea more than you ever wanted to before. Um, do so with respect. Take your rubbish when you leave. Don't bring styrofoam up there. You know, bring biodegradables. Bring a prayer. Um, Make sure your time is not overstayed on the mountain so that you can, we can continue to keep the place sacred. And definitely, definitely clean up after yourself and have aloha for everybody you see there. Have aloha first. Have aloha when they don't deserve aloha. Have aloha when, when, when you don't want to give it. Because those, that, that is the time when you experience the kind of aloha that you can only hear about and read about in books, the, the, the intensity of aloha starts from you giving it and um, not counting the grains of how much aloha you're going to get back. That's when uh, um, you are experiencing true aloha. And I wish true aloha to all of you. Thank you for um, all of you who have been listening and um, those of you who jumped in and those of you who didn't, um, I'm going to be signing off soon. So if anybody wanted to say anything or say hello, now would be the time. And I understand if you just want to listen and, and you're doing some things, but if there's something burning inside that you want to say, um, right now is the time to do it. Otherwise, um, I guess in 10 seconds, I'll count down and um, I'll thank you again. And um, much aloha. you folks for for your presence and your time and uh, in effect your aloha thank you very much i hope everybody is showered with blessings from the creator and safe um in this pandemic and in this dangerous world and um, i hope um you have a great night or day wherever you are feel free to back channel me or message me if you need to um and for somebody, somebody needs to hear this, I think. Um, Aloha Nui. I love you. And thank you for um, being here. 
Ahui ho until we meet again. Bye bye now. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Goodbye.